Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along uh, to the programme, I did spot uh, Carla Weather, Alan O'Reilly of Carla Weather, who often uh, joins us on the programme. He was tweeting this morning, just giving us all a bit of advice to forget about washing your windows or washing your car tomorrow, if that's something that you have on your agenda. Because he said much milder air is moving up for Ireland on Sunday and is going to be carrying a big load of Sahara dust. And uh, with rain likely on Sunday, it'll bring it down onto windows and cars. So if ever I came across the excuse not to clean the windows, there's one. The Sahara dust is on the way. Wait until that lands. And then we'll all need to clean our windows and clean our cars. Our texts and WhatsApps are up and running at 086 103. I mentioned later on, when I was on with Ken, I mentioned coming up on the programme this morning on our Hours to Protect uh, feature, we're going to be looking at the deposit and return uh, scheme. But in particular, uh, we're looking at it on how other countries have operated the deposit and return uh, scheme that's officially coming in here to this country uh, next week. It's on the 1st of February. So from the 1st of February, when you go into a shop and you're buying any kind of a plastic bottle or a can, the smaller plastic bottles and cans, it's 15 cent per bottle you'll pay deposit and then on the larger ones it is uh, 25 a cent and the idea is then you gather up all of your bottles and your cans they must be in perfect condition so no crushing them uh, please then you bring back to one of these reverse vending machines and you will get your money back. A listener has already been on saying I don't understand why we need to have these reverse vending machines for the bottles and cans. I am with uh, Country Clean for my bin collection and I have been for years and they provide an excellent recycling service I give them all of my bottles and cans. Why do I now need to pay extra for bottles and get nothing back? Well, you're technically wrong in saying you'll get nothing back. You will get your deposit back, but you'll only get your deposit back if you bring back your bottle your bottles and your cans and it's to try to get into the habit of collecting the bottles and cans and then bringing them back and there's most of the larger supermarkets now have installed these reverse vending uh, machines. I am feeling particularly sorry for the smaller convenience stores and the corner shops and some of the smaller garages where you will go in and you will you will buy bottles of water and juice and whatever and you'll buy your cans in some of those smaller convenient stores you'll pay your deposit there but they won't be able to take them back because they, they're they not able to afford some of these large these reverse vending machines I think they're about 13,000 euro uh, to install and a lot of the smaller shops don't have the space for them because they are great big uh, uh, machines. Uh, so I do feel sorry because when, when you return your bottles and cans whatever shop our supermarket or business that you return your bottles or cans to, you get a voucher that can only be spent 
in that particular store. And you can go into that into that shop and look for cash. But I think the majority of people, what are they going to do if they get if you know if they get a voucher and say it's for five euro worth of uh, deposits, and you're going in rather than go in and queue up to get your money back, you're more than likely just going to pay it off your bill. So it's the smaller convenience stores really could lose out on this one. But anyway, uh, it is going to be a bit of I can't say trial and error because we're just going to have to get used to it from uh, next week. So that's why in our hours to protect today, we're just looking how other countries have been doing it and have been doing it for so many years that they don't even think about it. I know certainly since we started talking about this uh, sometime last year, I think when we got the official date that it was coming in on the 1st of February, I remember liking it to the plastic bag tax. And I remember doing countless interviews when the, the plastic bag tax was bound to come in and people were saying that's never going to work and people are still going to pay and buy their plastic bags. And then we all got used to it. I don't think it, it would be very rare that you would, certainly you would turn up to do a full supermarket shop unless you've all your plastic bags with you. And I remember in the early days, you'd be out of the car, you'd be into the supermarket, you'd be about to get your trolley and go, oh, the bags, you'd have to go back to the car and get the bags. But it's rare that you'd even see people do that, do that now. So it's just become a habit. So I suppose it's a little bit like that with the, you'll pay your deposit and it's going to be a little bit just getting into the habit of it. And one wonders, will younger, will, you know, children start getting involved in this and if they, will they start collecting bottles and uh, cans we all know those of us of a certain vintage will remember paying our parents paying deposits on any of the glass bottles the lemonade the TK can you still get TK red lemonade and the coke bottles and the Fanta uh, bottles and you brought those back to the shop and it was a couple of pence uh, you got back but if you had enough of them you could make a bit of pocket money out of it so one wonders will we see young people collecting some of these bottles and, and cans by way of you know making a a pocket money for themselves. Only time will tell if that's going to happen or not. But it's coming in from the 1st of February, as they say, and we just have to get used to it. 0818103103. And I just had a response back from the HSE. And this was to do with a query we had in from a listener. And it was to, it's to do with an MRI machine which is based at Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. Well, it's based in the car park of Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. And a listener had been had, had used it and said it was a fantastic service. Had been at the, her, his doctor the day before, needed an MRI, got an MRI the following morning and said it was fantastic. But conspiracy theories were about abounding for this particular listener because he heard that it was only a temporary arrangement with the HSE and that it was only going to be in place until the June elections for the local and European elections and as soon as the elections were over the MRI machine would be whipped out and it was kind of a bit of a conspiracy theory that it was only being put in place uh, to make the government and to make politicians look good. So, uh, we didn't go down that rabbit hole of that conspiracy theory but we said we would get onto the HSE just to find out, you know, what is the arrangement in place for this MRI machine at Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre and they have come back to say that this is a private arrangement between AFIDA who operate the MRI and the, the developer owner of the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. There is a contract in place for a year, but the contract was, is between the owner of Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre and AFIDA and GPs can repair, refer patients for MRIs as part of that scheme. But it's nothing to do with the HSE, so it's nothing to do with the government trying to reduce uh, waiting lists and trying to make them look better in advance of the 
in advance of the elections. And I'm assuming the fact that it's gone in for a one year contract, it will depend for both Manor Primary Healthcare Centre and for AFIDA if it is working and if it's as busy as the listener who contacted us last week led us to believe. I imagine if it is working and working well and is very busy, then I imagine that that contract will be extended. But it is a private arrangement and I'm glad to clarify that. Tom and Formoy said, Patricia, did you know you could return jam jars years ago? No, I didn't. And you got 3D, 3D, three pennies for a jam jar. I was unaware of that. I just remember the lemonade bottles and the Coca-Cola bottles. I didn't realise you could return uh, jam jars. And somebody else was saying, will you be able to return wine bottles on the deposit and return? No, the deposit and return is only for plastic and for uh, cans. And then a couple of people are on, uh, including this list and said, Patricia, were old age pensioners meant to get a bonus week this week? As I've just checked and my usual pension has been paid into my bank. I didn't get a bonus week. No, it's not this week. It is from next week. Anyone who got or anyone who is entitled to the Christmas, if you get the Christmas bonus double payment, that's the best way to work out who's entitled to it next week, will be getting a double week from the government. It's part of the cost of living. So it's your your payment um, next uh, week. And can I wish the very best of luck to everybody who will be attending the C103 GAA Sports Star Awards. The Gala Banquet is taking place tonight at the Rochestown Park Hotel. Now, the monthly winners will all be recognised for their achievements during 2023. And then, of course, tonight it gets very exciting because one will be presented with the overall award of Sports Star of the Year. There's also the Kieran O'Driscoll Youth Award and the Donal Lahan Distinguished Career Award. They will both be presented tonight. Now, the rewards have reached another milestone this year because would you believe it's the 20th annual presentation of the C103 GAA Sports Stars Awards in association with the Rochestown Park Hotel. So the best of luck to everybody attending and I hope each and every one has a wonderful night out. The government have been called on to outline its policy on sourcing of accommodation for international protection applicants with many communities around the country alarmed when they discover that asylum seekers are coming into their area with little or no consultation. Now the issue was raised at this week's Cork County Council meeting by Fomoy Councillor Deirdre O'Brien, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, people who protest against either uh, refugees or asylum seekers coming into their area, they're often called out as being far right or they're racist. And that's not really fair because a lot of people have very genuine concerns, especially when it comes to maybe very stretched services in their area. Yeah. Exactly. And that was my point, Patricia. And I suppose, look, I would say as a councillor, I'm very much in touch with people on the ground and I hear and see the issues facing our communities. And I suppose I've seen a lot of anxiety rising because of this and witnessing the changes around them. And I suppose what I'm calling out is, first of all, on the accommodation was the first part of my motion, where I went to the government to outline their policy. Because, you know, they're saying we need fire certs and like every, anyone that knows having applied for fire certs that it's rigorous, the compliance regulation around it. And I suppose for Cork County Council are saying it's no different for any building as of these buildings that are being um, sourced for asylum seekers. And I suppose then, you you know, I'm looking at, as I say, my own local here in Fomoy, that it was um, an old building. It was it was a B&B and it's only a max of like 12 rooms. So like and what they say with one exit door in the back. So people are asking, how could that be compliant? 
And I suppose the other thing with the building in Fomoyden as well, look, it's been it's synonymous with the town for years. It was actually St. Anne's Hospital and people, have, you know, feel a little bit um, kind of attachment to it, you can imagine. And I suppose, it, you know, it's people see the fabric of the town changing, which is, you know, I suppose it's it's a lot happening together. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I, I know myself. You know, we've had what you call, like we've had an obligation here that Ireland has an obligation to accept people who claim asylum and and our international protection, and we have to accommodate them while their applications are being processed. But it just seems is there so much coming at us together, and also for the safety of these asylum seekers coming, are we putting them into safe buildings? And then what buildings are suitable? I suppose the other issue then is with the communities. You know that um, there are buildings here that could be used for something else and you know and once they change into residential like this will they ever come back there might have been a chance of reopening that hotel that b&b or hall or whatever it is so i suppose you know it's just to know what is happening around our uh, the policy around yeah, the accommodation and, and how yeah. and how do they initially identify accommodation is, is you know mm-hmm. how like who came up with who spotted abbeville or how did abbeville even end up getting mentioned as possible housing of international protection applicants have you any yeah. indication how that happened well you see i suppose you know i suppose the last probe government um direct provision centres was something that wasn't on it so I suppose when we had the war and um, now we have the increase in inter- international protection seekers, like there is the current system um, of housing is is quite a lucrative one for property owners. And the government has given a lot in the emergency fund towards this. So you can see, look, you will have a lot of developers using this to their own advantage. And that's what I would think. You know, sometimes like we victimise the, the silent seeker coming in there, but he's getting free passages, getting the money. And I suppose, look, he's doing nothing wrong then. But, you know, um, the government needs to be more rigorous probably on the, what's coming into the country, certainly, you know, without the undocumented. But like you do have the developers as well jumping on the bandwagon here. There's a lot of developers, not even from areas here, buying buildings and how and then um, what let's say, give them to the government as or set them as emergency accommodation, giving them for the. Yeah, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money can be made from uh, from housing yes. um, uh, 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 asylum seekers, and and you know, let's call it out for what it is as well. From Hoy has been a very welcoming town for both Ukrainian refugees and people coming from other countries. It's it's a multicultural yes. community. It is certainly that now as well. I would say, um, I suppose, look, you had the Ukrainian. Um, come first, the community come first into the community. They came into the Grand Hotel, the old Grand Hotel in Fomoy. And then we'd say the old convent. Then there was another about 140 or 50 came in. And look, they've integrated well and they've, um, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them have sourced work. A lot of them have very great volunteers in the town and that, you know, and that has worked well. But I suppose, you know, if there was another 50 coming in, I suppose there is, people then have this fear of 50 men coming in together, like put 50 men together, like, you know, and I suppose they're not, they're not working. Um, you know, like what will happen or, you know, like the safety, the fear in the community then is around that as well. You know, whereas, like, I suppose they're saying if you women and children coming, you know, is it safer? Now, the other thing with women and children then coming, I suppose you have the more using your services. You have, like, you know, women and children will use the medical more. They they need to be schooled. Like we've had, um, even in Mitchellstown here, we've had them come into Marion House here and the International Protection Seekers. And we have some lot of Ukrainian families around. And like the fairness of the schools have been fantastic to facilitate them. And but like they're nearly at capacity, they're probably at capacity, a lot of them. But, you know, they've made, um, you know, they've made accommodation for them and they're doing their best to help them. But like at that, if any more comes, they will be stretched. And this, I suppose, 
I know with my motion on Monday, I raised it and I suppose I did put a second part to the motion with regard to, you know, division and discontentment in the communities. I suppose I suppose I was my wording might have been strong and that I said it was an unfair burden on communities, but I felt I needed I didn't want to lose sight of my motion and I wanted to ensure that people, you know, was getting the point in this. And in fairness, every one of the councillors um, there was a huge percentage of the chamber came in and alluded to that our services, you know, that even prior to um, the, I would say the asylum seekers and refugees come in um, prior to the war, that they were quite stretched. We all know our health system is quite stretched and, you know, the education. Well, everyone they, complains about trying yeah. to get an appointment uh, with a, a GP and trying to get, if you're new into an area, trying to get your, to sign up to a GP can be a huge problem in, in some areas. But I know the government are talking about in, you know, for areas that have taken, you know, a larger number of uh, refugees or asylum seekers. You know, they're talking about putting extra services in place, putting extra GPs, you know, putting extra teachers in, into the school. Would that all help? Certainly would. But then again, do we have them? You know, this is the big problem as well. Um, you know, does our villages attract, do our villages and small towns attract professionals like doctors, GPs, uh, GPs and um, teachers and that? And I suppose, you know, that's the next problem. We've seen a lot of our younger people who've trained as doctors and leave the country. So, so that's something that the government needs to look at as well. Like, you know, that is there some way keeping them for some while when they tra- um, when they qualify rather than them escaping off? But it seems a big thing. The exodus is huge at the minute. That's another big issue we have. And like, you know, kind of that's the services we do need if they are putting money, though, in because, you know, look, OK, we need the integration of communities and that kind of thing. But we need people out there working. We need people, you know, um, what I say, you'd see the social welfare bill of the country is rising you know, can the people that are taxpayers keep this going? But you know, yes, but yes, we're, to- but yes we're told we have full em- full employment. We've got sectors that just can't get workers. Well, I suppose like we have full employment, but I suppose our full employment is probably our foreign investment, you know, where we have our American companies coming in. Like we're very much dependent on that. Um, but like, you know, you do have, you still have um I suppose, you know, people can't afford to purchase homes here either, you know. Yeah, well, so that's, that's a housing, yeah. that housing uh, crisis is, uh, that, that is definitely an argument for for a different a different day. And do you welcome the news, Deirdre, that local authorities can now apply for grants under this Community Recognition Fund? And it's for communities that have taken in a significant number of refugees and asylum seekers. And, and I'm, I'm assuming with the numbers you've outlined that you have already moved to Fomoy, you certainly would qualify. Is, is, will Cork County Council yeah. apply for any of this funding for Fomoy? Well, this is this funding was opened last year as well, and which was good because, like, there was local, um, let's say, groups with uh, clubs got money, like the, the Fomoy GA, and that is to integrate them into that as well. You know, and they are getting, um, you know, the sun seekers and all involved, and so it's kind of, I suppose, funding like that to get them integrated and in, like, even if they come in as volunteer bases, they're helping, you know, and certainly I suppose it's a way of getting them out there. So I would, you know, I do think it's good, certainly, and um, there's definitely buildings in our community there that could be used, like we're going to need extra accommodation in the sense of, um, if, if, let's say, in, um, oh, let's say, uh, recreational facilities, mm. you know, so, so it's good that we certainly have that. Um, look, I suppose anything that comes is good. I know that there's talks that actually I saw last night there where, um, the minister actually good first thing was the minister of justice said she's increasing the safe countries and um, so that's a good thing because i suppose that you know i've seen a, a real cross section coming in at the moment and increasing like all of a sudden like little ireland has become so attractive 
And um, so, like, if people are coming from safe countries, why are they coming from safe countries? Let's call it out. They're coming because they're economic migrants. They're coming because they want a better life. They're coming for, yeah. for the very reasons that so many of our ancestors left this country to go to another country. They're coming for a better life. That's what it is. I mean, that's not what the asylum sure. system is about. But that is, that is, that is what it is. You know, okay, and just, coming at the moment, but like we shouldn't be getting them no, from this. No, so no, that, no. That has to stop. And the, and we yeah, have to yeah. And the ones the we need to look here. after are the genuine ones who are fleeing persecution and, and fleeing for their lives. Okay, a listener exactly. wants to know, what is the update on, on Abbeville? And I know I saw on the Avenue, the protest is still going on, the that tented structure that's outside. So there are still people protesting about Abbeville. Have you any indication as to what's happening from the IPAS side of it? Are, are there... Are there? No. no. We got an email at Christmas week saying they were coming and we haven't been told when or what's happening. So that is, look, that is the other side as well, like the lack of communication from the government and letting people know. Um, so, like, the, we'll say, look, the authority has nothing to do with this. But no, we've been kept in the dark and this, been honest with you, I suppose. Look, I saw even when they were coming to Mitchell there, we didn't know they were coming in either. We got an email a few months ago and um, it went to another municipal district actually instead of my own. And I got my hands on it, and um, but like like that, no, there has been nothing really to us, and I suppose that's why look the protesters look at I suppose I I, I see them making a point, but at the same time, you know, my my argument here is you have these um, you know the asylum seekers coming, the refugees coming in, you you can't stop them like they've been given the money, they've been given free passage, you know, I wouldn't stop you know we can't stop them at the gate going in like mm. look, look saw Ross Gray, you know, and look fairness people. You know, people the following day came out, charity, and look, they brought up, you know, gifts and that to them. Yeah, and you um, certainly, the, you know, I mean, the scenes, the scenes from Ross Gray were, 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 were hideous and, they were and nobody they, wants to, nobody wants to see that. Certainly not no, in our own neck of the no, woods. No, uh, Billy not. says, look, I, I agree I, I with you. I was going back to developer and that then, I was supposed Patricia, I was saying, you know, like the developer's getting the money as well. And, you know, nobody's calling that out. And look, a developer got this building. And he seems to want, you know, have no problem giving it over a sign secret. Like, you know, I suppose the town is the town is hurt on that. OK, certainly. OK. Billy yeah. says, I, uh, yes, I agree with uh, Deirdre. Nobody wants people to come, but it must be done with consultation with the community first, making sure that it suits everyone, those that come in and those, uh, the uh, the existing people that are living in town. We need more consultation with uh, local people. And Una in Mitchellstown, does anyone chat to those coming into this country? I'm sure many of them want uh, to work. They don't want to be housed up uh, four and six to a room. Many of them want to work, but that's the problem. They can't work until they're here uh, for six months. Anyway, and then and then you're talking about economic migrants, which are very different to people who are fle- fleeing persecution. OK, listen, dear, do we leave it there? It's an issue I know we'll come back to you. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, that is uh, North Cork uh, County Councillor Deirdre O'Brien. Now, anyone who commutes to work on a daily basis will know there's been a noticeable increase in traffic with the early morning rush hour getting earlier and earlier and busier and busier. One Cork businesswoman is asking, why isn't there better commuter options? Paula Coogan is CEO of Cognit Health and uh, she joins me to share her concerns. Good morning to you, Paula. Good morning, Patricia. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. Now, Good. you particularly want to highlight people who travel from North Cork or North West Cork. You reckon they seem to have very little options where, except to take their car? 
Yes, I suppose I, I'm a resident of that area, so I, I see it on a daily basis. Um, I have been very fortunate, I suppose I was past um, chamber of uh, president of Cork Chamber. So I would be aware of, you know, some amazing uh, transport infrastructure that's due to happen. Uh, the CASP and uh, a number of CMATs as well, projects. Um, and I think we've seen that on the eastern side of, of the city. I know the Jack Lynch Tunnel um, and I suppose the, the, the better bus routes and the cycleways um, and the train service on that side of the city has improved dramatically. And I think, you know, people are seeing it in, in their quality of life, but certainly not seeing it um, on this side of the city. And, and in fact, um, as you mentioned, it's the people are commuting earlier and earlier. Where I live, there's a constant stream of traffic from about 5.30 onwards. It looks like it's a lot of maybe construction traffic uh, coming in early, but then a, a number of people that I know who live locally who are working in the medical sector, so coming in for early shifts in the hospitals and that as well. And it's, it's getting earlier and earlier, and there doesn't seem to be any other option but to get in a car as a single user and drive into work on a daily basis. Yeah, and I heard of uh, somebody in the hospital sector who, uh, it, it not due into work until eight in the morning, but uh, must get into work between half six and seven or she won't get a parking space yes i mean that 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 is the reality of the case i've heard of um of people who actually were going in and taking a, a sleep for 30 35 minutes in their car um uh, in the hospital car park because again in in, in need of transport and, and getting in but i i think it's it's you know as i say i'm i'm very conscious that there are plans and I think in sometimes, you know, it's it's about maybe looking as a local community and looking at other options that might be available as well. I mean, carpooling, um, I'm intrigued, you know, um, I suppose when, when my children were younger, we carpooled uh, with many other families in the area to get the, the kids to school and back into activities. Mm. That seems to happen at a certain level in local communities. But then, um, you know, as, as, as children get older and then actually adults deciding what they're going to um, maybe carpool and share as well. I know I know it's not an ideal scenario for everybody, but I got stuck this weekend uh, in, in traffic there by the, the Angler's Rest. I'm sure anybody traveling in from North Cork would, would yeah, have got there, yeah. got there as well. And I counted 75 cars that had just one individual in them. Yeah. So, I mean, even yeah. taking 10 or 11 of those cars and, and having an option of carpooling or, or some other way of, of getting in and out, as you can imagine, would have a huge impact uh, on the overall traffic coming into the, the city. Yeah, and because of, you know, housing shortages, because of housing prices, um, you know, houses just becoming so expensive, more and more people have started purchasing in county towns and, and in county uh, villages. Uh, yes. So we, so the, the, the public transport isn't always there to accommodate people when they buy these houses. Absolutely. And, and, and the infrastructure has to be put in place um, at the same time as the, the housing is going in. I mean, that, that, you know, that's basic planning um, legislation should require for that. So, again, I just had a quick look because I like to use my stats. And I mean, North Cork has seen a, a huge increase in, uh, well, a huge, about six or seven percent in the CSO stats in, in population, mm. in, you know, which is very welcoming. I, I worked in, in uh, IRG Duhallow many moons ago from a leader perspective. It's great to see, you know, rural towns again, um, having people coming back to live in them. But again, the transport opportunities have to be there. And as we know, working from home has been a, a really good option for for a number of people and has allowed them to base themselves further out from the city. But, you know, as employers are now requesting that people come back in um, it is certainly I can see having an impact on travel and it's very stressful as everybody knows you know particularly when we've had the bad weather in the last couple of weeks of thinking well, I'm going to have to leave another 
35, 40 minutes earlier just to make sure that I, I can get into work on a daily basis yeah, it's on taking, time as well. It's taking from people's quality of life and that famous work-life balance that we're always uh, talking about. And somebody else is pointing out, even if there are uh, buses uh, and trains available, they're not always at the right times. This particular listener is on shift work. A bus or a train out yeah. of North Cork will never get her in on, on time. I mean, that's another issue, isn't it? It's the time and the frequency of the buses and the trains. It is. And again, I think, you know, looking at, at uh, aspects like park and ride services, you know, that people can come to a certain point and then the bus is there. I mean, there's, you know, in, in a rural community, there's never going to be a bus sitting outside your door. And I think everybody is, is accepting of that. But again, if there was some option and an earlier um, start, I think, as well for, for bus connects coming in from certain areas would make a huge difference and would take that pressure off people sitting in traffic for effectively, you know, 40, 45 minutes per day, um, which, as you say, adds stress in the morning and adds stress in, in the evening as well. And I would comment as well, I think, you know, third level students, we've seen a huge, as we all know, number of students who, whose families just cannot get student accommodation or cannot afford it. And they're commuting in and out now on a regular basis as well. So they're sitting in traffic um, on a regular basis. And again, I think carpooling there would be a huge you know, benefit. I know my, my own, uh, I have three sons who are, who are back and forth in the city and, and they do that on a regular basis. But again, it's just, I think, being innovative and thinking outside the box about what can be done in the short term. Because as I say, medium to long term, there there are some really great transport initiatives to come. But um, I think it's, you know, action is needed now. And I think it's that, as I say, that joined up thinking between communities, the transport providers um, and employers as well, just being mindful of their employees having to to travel in, you know, is there a need to be in the office four days a week or yeah, yeah. Will three days a week or two days a week work uh, it, and support them? It's interesting that you, you mentioned park and ride because I was only reading in the Echo uh, this morning that the Cork City Council actually had a discussion on uh, park and ride. I saw, you know, a lot of the councillors are saying that they want to see an increase in, in the park and ride uh, facilities and CMATs that, that you mentioned, the Cork Metropolitan Area Transport Strategy. Uh, but there's going to be a wait on that because, you know, that development is up to 20 40. I think a lot of people are saying, you know, we need them now. But I thought it was interesting. One, I think it was a Green councillor made the point that, I quote, people use their cars because the bus service is not reliable. And the bus service is not reliable because too many people are using their cars, especially for short trips. So you're damned if you do and damned uh, if you don't. Yeah, certain- it is a, it's a bit of a catch-22. Yeah, but I do think is. that, you know, the proof has been there in the past. If you look at, um, you know, a bus link, the, the, the Balancholic to Carrigaline route that was a expanded during COVID and additional services put on um, effectively running 24 hours a day, people have used it. I mean, the, the level of usage, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. If there is an alternative option, rather than sitting in your car um, day in, day out, people will use it. But again, it's, it's just, as I say, about being innovative in thinking. And as I say myself, I mean, I think the carpooling option as well um, is something that people may consider because you will have, you know, people who are coming into the same, you know, the university, as we mentioned, the the hospitals, etc. And maybe there's an option there for two or three to come together and carpool. I know when I when I travel in in the mornings, um, I carpool with with two other people. And, um, you know, you do feel you're doing your bit for the environment. You're catching up. 
Um, and, you know, as I say, if there was even 20 percent of the cars um, on the road at the moment were taken off it, it would mean everybody would get into work um, and have a, a little bit more peaceful day. <laughs> yeah, I can see a lot of people are, are certainly saying well done to you for uh, highlighting it, including uh, Jur from uh, Cantork says well done to that Cork businesswoman uh, who's Paula Coogan. Uh, I really hope that she is uh, listened to. And so many people are, somebody else is saying we talk so much about climate change and the need for all of us to reduce our carbon uh, emissions. Uh, we simply need to invest more in uh, public transport. And that's it in, in a nutshell. Everyone will benefit. Everybody will benefit. And again, um, you know, um, I suppose I have had family who've lived in, in, in this area. I mean, 20, I'm 25 kilometres from the city centre who would have spoken about the really good transport infrastructure that existed in the past. And it was a lifeline for people um, for, for travelling in and out and uh, particularly for, you know, older people who, who don't have other options. And I know the, the, the bus connect and the connect links are, you know, it's a really valuable service for some areas um, of the county. But again, I think the expansion of of that programme would be really, really welcome and um, would support the local communities um, in being able to not get into a car on a daily basis. And as I say, I think the majority of people want to do the right thing from mm. um, from an environment perspective, but really, as I say, don't have options. But then if you're putting people into cars that are expensive, that cost from a tax and insurance perspective and as we see you know from the the um the rsa um reports you know accidents are increasing on on the road and an awful lot of that is because of people um being under pressure rushing around i mean i've seen locally here and um, people traveling in on e-scooters in the morning they could be traveling in maybe 20 kilometers on an yeah. e-scooter they were never designed to be on the roads next to Arctics and not not uh, how busy the roads are. Not traffic. how busy the roads are. Okay, no, again, All right, I've got when they don't have an option, they have to do it. I have Thanks, to leave Patricia. it there, Paula. Listen, you. thank you, Much and good to talk to you as well. Thanks for that. That thank is uh, Paula bye. Coogan. Uh, bye bye, uh, Cork City uh, businesswoman. She's CEO of Cognit health. Just uh, talking around the whole thing of commuting and the amount of people that are stuck in traffic in the morning and again in the evening time. So I'm asked to wish a happy birthday to a very special lady who's having a very special birthday today and that's Betty Cashman Garrison of Kilbrin. Betty is celebrating her 100th birthday today. Happy birthday to you Betty and the message is hope you have a great day. Lots of love coming in from all of your neighbours and friends and I'm sure there's a big, big party planned. Happy birthday to you. Betty Cashman Garrison in Kilbrin. Tomorrow, Saturday, Premier League live on C103.ie. Well, we won't be having it because they're taking a break. Why? Of course, we've got the FA Cup fixtures across this weekend. However, Trevor Welsh will be back tomorrow week, Saturday, February the 3rd. More live commentary, more interviews and more reaction powered by Talk Sport. That's the Premier League live online back on the 3rd of February with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen on the C103 app or you can go to C103 Ie. Let me take a look at some of your calls and comments on some of the topics we have been discussing this morning. We were talking about commuting in and out of the city and particularly people who come from North Cork or North West uh, Cork. There isn't adequate buses and uh, trains and there isn't a frequency of them although they don't run at the right time. Hi, listening with interest to your topic on the amount of traffic commuting in and out of the city, particularly for people from the North Cork area heading into the city to work, I really don't see why all the onus always seems to be put on workers. Why can't schools and colleges be done remotely? Didn't it work very well during the pandemic? Surely that would help to reduce traffic congestion with Zoom, etc. The students 
would feel like they were in their own uh, classroom. Well, yes, certainly the children being educated from home and college college courses uh, run run from home and, and people doing it in their bedrooms. It certainly worked during the pandemic, but needs must. We didn't have a lot of choice. But I think the majority of people will say for the child's education and for the college students, they're, they're better off being in and integrating with their friends. I mean, if you were to totally go down the route where everyone was educated uh, remotely, what would that do for children's social skills and, you know, making friends, etc.? I mean, certainly a part of the day and part of the week could, could be done on online, but certainly not uh, full time. 0818103103. Charlie in Whelan said there were plans to build a park and ride, ride facility around Ballyvalan and Mayfield. Uh, the land that was designated could be gone now, but could they not build uh, more park and rides, especially for those coming in north of the county? There's no facilities like this on the north side of the city. Probably at this stage, someplace like Rathpeakin would uh, work. Well, when I was talking with Paula uh, Coogan, uh, she mentioned CMATS, uh, and CMATS is the Cork Metropolitan Area Transport uh, Strategy. And now that is going to take us up to 2040. So there's a, a, there's a lot more years yet before that's fully up and running. But that envisages the development of a network of strategic parks, park and rides, a designated public transport interchanges and other key destinations via things like high frequency public transport, walking and uh, cycling. So that strategy plan is in uh, place, but it's it's up to 2040 and I'm assuming a lot of it is not going to happen until close to 2040. So there's a, there is a plan there, Charlie, for sure. But uh, it's when it's actually going to happen. And then Gina in Blarney says, well, if I get the bus to work, the journey uh, from door to door is one hour. If I drive into the city, it's just 20 minutes. Yeah, but then Gina, you're in the lucky position that you're living in Blarney, which which is close enough to the city. We're talking about people that have a much longer uh, commute. And, and that is down to the reason that your bus is taking so long is down to the amount of traffic that is in in the city and that's where it's like uh, if we take cars off the road we'll, and put more buses the buses will be able to move a little bit quicker but because we don't have enough buses we have to have more cars on the road and more cars on the road are delaying the, the buses it's a real catch uh, 22 oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three on international protection that we mentioned earlier with uh, Deirdre Councillor Deirdre O'Brien and uh, the local county council calling on the government to, to try to point out how they select various buildings that then go on to be used to house either Ukrainian refugees or in the main, I think the ones that the most protests are over are ones that want to house international protection uh, applicants. Helen in Glenmire says uh, she's fearful about what's going to happen to the uh, Ireland's tourism industry. She feels already there are too many hotels that have been handed over for international protection. Hoteliers are choosing to go down a different route to make their money. But with a lack of hotels, it's bound to have a knock-on effect on tourism for this entire country. In some towns in Kerry, where Millie visited over Christmas, she said she could see many of the well-known hotels were closed and they were being used as I-pass centres. Again, she said it's up to the owners, it's their decision. But she said, where does it all uh, stop? She said she found when she was in Kerry, they were driving from town to town in order to find a hotel that was open. It's bound to have an economic effect on businesses. I think there's about 20%. I think the figure for Kerry is about 20% of hotel beds have been given up either for Ukrainian refugees or to house um, international protection uh, applicants. Uh, Now, obviously, in the winter months, 
it's a great move for the hotels and they're having full occupancy but it's in the summer months yeah, when we need every single hotel bed that we can find for tourists. That's when the big issues arrive. But there is good, well, people worrying about tourism and people worrying about hotels in their area being taken over. The government seemingly is uh, planning now to to suspend signing new contracts with hotels, uh, in particular for, to accommodate those fleeing the war in Ukraine. And these are under proposals that were considered yesterday by government ministers. A revised accommodation strategy is now being drawn up by the Department of Integration and it includes a plan to terminate contracts for unsuitable accommodation. So we do have some in unsuitable accommodation. The ministers were told there's been a drop in the numbers of people coming from Ukraine and there's also been an increase in those leaving state-provided accommodation, which means there are beds available to allocate to those when they do arrive. The paper outlines that the department now intends to pause accepting new offers of commercial accommodation and that's understood to be things like hotels and bed and breakfast or other similar settings. And the, the decision is not final but it is being kept under a review. And despite an overall shortage of accommodation for asylum seekers and refugees ministers have been told that the situation in housing Ukrainians is now considerably less pressing than it was before although pressure does remain quite acute for those seeking international uh, protection. Ministers met yesterday, they were told the number of people arriving from Ukraine has dropped considerably and that's since the government indicated that they would be tightening the conditions being offered uh, with legislation affecting the changes uh, working its way at the moment as we know through the Oireachtas. Ministers discussed the recent protests in Ross Grey with some sources suggesting there were frustrations over how it was handled, although other coalition figures disputed that characterisation. Now, a briefing paper for the government subcommittee on Ukraine outlined that the number of people granted temporary protection up to January the 22nd was at 796. But if you compare that to a month previously in December, the figure was 2,150. And alongside that number, Ukrainians are leaving accommodation at a higher uh, rate. Now, they're either going out into their own independent lodgings because many of the Ukrainians are working, so they're opting uh, to rent their own accommodation. Some have also opted to return home and others have moved to different parts of the country. They are indeed even outside the country. The medium is told that Department of Integration is drafting a revised accommodation strategy. It will include focusing on refurbished buildings. They're also looking at modular accommodation, self-catering and they're once again are going to look at pledges where they've asked families to offer a home to a Ukrainian family. And the department at the moment is planning to pause accepting any new offers from commercial accommodation uh, given the significant vacancies they they find at the moment. So that certainly will be welcome to news from anyone who's worried about maybe a hotel in their area that they may may think could become an asylum uh, centre. And actually when when I was talking with Councillor Deirdre O'Brien she mentioned and welcomed the fact that the Minister for Justice is proposing to expand the number of safe countries. And this is part of a suite of measures aimed at reducing the number of asylum seekers that are arriving into this country. The Justice Minister Helen McEntee uh, said that since Georgia 
was declared a safe country by the state. The level of asylum seekers arriving here has uh, halved. Other now safe countries include Albania, uh, Bosnia, North Macedonia, Kosovo, Montenegro, Serbia and South Africa. And what is a safe country? Well, a safe country of origin is defined as one where no risk of persecution, torture, inhumane or degrading treatment or punishment is uh, perceived uh, and people who are coming from those countries trying to claim uh, asylum won't be allowed because they're technically coming from a safe uh, country. And then the issue that a lot of people talk about and again Deirdre touched on it, this is people arriving without documentation into this country. The latest figures more than 3,200 people arrived through Irish Irish airports last year and they weren't able to provide valid documentation. Now the government did impose penalties of €1,500 on airlines where passengers were found not to have the required documentations when they got off the flight. So on board spot checks of passengers before they exit the plane, they've also been conducted but there is a sense among ministers that it's just not going far enough. The Minister for Housing Dara O'Brien suggested increasing the penalties by double or tripling the current rate on airlines in a bid to increase compliance because nobody can get on that plane without a passport so something's happening between when they get on the plane and when they get off so there have been fines issued but maybe more if 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 airlines are put under more pressure they might make sure that nobody disposes of their papers when they're on the plane and of course one of the reasons that they would do it is if they're coming from one of these safe countries because technically they're coming here as economic migrants but we don't grant asylum uh, for economic migrants. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. We welcome your thoughts and comments. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Jones Agri, they're based in Ballydesmond. They are recruiting an estimator with experience in the agri steel industry. Can you contact Matthew at 087 2946881 General operative positions are available in a production facility in the Connor area. Now you do need to have your own transport. Call 0861769656. Avonmore Electrical have a vacancy for an accounts administrator. Minimum of three years experience, uh, please. And CVs to breed at avonmore-electrical.com. Closing date is two weeks today, Friday the 9th of February. And Remina GAA have a vacancy for a grounds caretaker. It's to work as part of their community employment scheme. Email Evelyn O'Keefe at dealvalley.ie for further details. You'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom. Now... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, Ireland has spent so long in the Eurovision wilderness, it's becoming hard to remember those heady days when we dominated the world's biggest singing contest. Could we turn our fortunes around this year? Well, to preview tonight's selection uh, for our song for Europe, I'm joined by Johnny O'Mahony, our Eurovision correspondent. Good morning to you, Johnny. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. And as always, you're welcome uh, to, to the programme. I'm trying to uh, remember, wh- what, when did we last win? 1996. Isn't that far back? Yes. Oh, my it's God. Long, it's, been 30, it, it's almost 30 years. Or was it 28 years this year? Yeah. So when Emer Quinn um, won with the voice, Brendan Graham song. And uh, it's um, it's a long time. I, there was actually, I was at the National Concert Hall last Saturday night. There was... Um, a Brendan Graham tribute night and Ema Quinn sang the voice, no accompaniment, just completely only Ema's voice. And it, it was amazing. And, you know, while it wasn't the Eurovision night, it was just to hear her sing. Still a great song. Um, yeah. You know, 28 years ago. And, uh, you know, we haven't really come come anywhere close to it since. So, yeah. And, and, and have you job. any thoughts on why we're doing so so badly? I mean, we last got to the final in 2018. Yeah, it's just the, the the quality isn't there. And um, they're doing not not so much when I say they it's um, there's there's been better put out there. And I think um, maybe not RT, but, you know, the songs that have been chosen haven't been suitable to um, win Eurovision. You need a song that's going to go. You should be if you're writing a song for a competition, you should be writing a song that you can make millions with you know that's going to hit the billboard charts in america you know you should have that ambition to you know that's that's the quality that's needed something that that big and uh, i don't think we're getting anywhere near that you know um, so, um, and and i know you've listened and, and we're, we are going to play a clip from each of uh, the, the six songs for tonight do you think there's a big banger in the six songs tonight that could do it you know there, it, again it's all down to um the presentation and the sound and everything tonight um what's what way it's going to end up um to listen to the six songs they're they're all you know th- th- there's a great variety this year in the six and you know um uh, th- there's a there's a good balance of different songs there are a few bangers there potential bangers put it that way and um it just remains to be seen how they'll turn out tonight and lately that that i think that's the the biggest um 
problem that and not so much problem but what we need to see tonight is a good performance good sound and I, th- I think that that's that's what will happen because that's what's needed in in Malmo what will be needed in Malmo in May and if they can't do it on the late late tonight they're not going to be able to do it in Malmo in front of what 20,000 live audience and a, and a world audience of what maybe 200 million is it I think yeah so, at least um, so talk yeah, me the, through the late, oh yeah, the late late studio tonight it's the tiered seating is gone it's it's going to be a kind of um just tables and chairs you know kind of like um what would you um almost you know, like, like the you, green room like what they do at yes. the Eurovision yeah. okay that's good yeah, yes. yeah that's good yes. that will give a better I will give a better atmosphere how will the song be selected uh, tonight for example is there a public vote there's a public vote, there's an international jury and there's a jury, an Irish jury. So um, now previous years, the nat- international jury has been usually kind of three people who would have Eurovision connections um, over the years. Um, I presume it's probably going to be much the same again tonight. So three people will, will dis- if it's three, they'll, they'll pick their, um, I, I suppose, rate their songs one to six. And then there's a, a tele vote and then there's an Irish jury which is probably maybe there's they might have 10 people I, I don't know how the Irish jury is made up but um it's it's going to be broken down in in three ways and uh I'd say the Irish jury at the telly vote will probably have the main vote and and, and Patrick Keelty is of course first Euro song it's his first Euro song yeah, yeah. so I mean yeah. it's it's a big not so much that he's got big shoes to fill in anyway but it's you know it's it's about making it his own and I suppose the fact that the the studios changed around and they're they're doing different things for it and and it's it's a it's probably one of the biggest years in a long time that they've gone you know with such um a, a, you know with a big range of or di- different songs and there's there seems to be more work and you know they previewed them on the radio and then each participant was allowed to go out and promote it any way they wanted you know so um social media has been chaotic over the last I suppose two weeks yeah. Yeah. The songs were released. Somebody's pointing out that Jedward came eighth in 2011 with Lipstick and that was a great song. Yeah, and they just, they were just, uh, yeah, they, they got into the top 10, which which was terrific. They okay. Did, yeah, and I mean, they, they, they it, it, their performance, like if you think about lately, it was one thing, but their performance on the night and again in, in 2012 in, in Azerbaijan when they, when they performed with um, Waterline, you know, it was, or was it in Dusseldorf, I think, yeah. Yeah, you know, great, great performance, and um, that—that's what's required. You know, because if you just go out there and sing a song, and there's not, it, 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 we've seen that it's the show kind of that that is is a big part of it, and I, I think that's what's required again. And um, fingers crossed, and the best of luck to whoever does get through. That's that's a, yeah, a, a that's, big. That's um, all we can do. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And staying on all things Eurovision, can I point out that when we were talking about the Louis Walsh band, which is called Next in a Line, and this is Louis Walsh's new uh, boy band, the song Love Like Us is actually written by Balanine songwriter Billy Maybury. So congratulations to uh, Billy. He has a chance now of a song going through to Europe. That's Bill Maybury wrote that song, Love Like Us. And they are the final ones on stage tonight uh, with the next in line is the name of the band. Morning, Trish, about the Eurovision Song Contest. It's down to the song, uh, the song and the singing. After all, it is a song contest. Please didn't allow us not to send any more puppets like dust in the turkey the, uh, it, because it is a it is a song contest it's also it's not a fancy dress 
competition. Can Ireland afford another win? I hope this year that the Eurovision will be fairer and less political. And so say all of us. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. This week on Ours to Protect, we speak to people from elsewhere in Europe about how deposit return schemes work in their own countries and their thoughts on their effectiveness. From the 1st of February, Ireland will be implementing a deposit return scheme on plastic bottles and aluminium cans. Customers will pay a small deposit between 15 and 30 cents on bottles and cans between 150 millilitres and 3 litres in size that feature the return logo, the company set up to manage the scheme. Once the cans are returned, either to an automatic vending machine or over the counter at selected outlets, the deposit will be returned, either in the form of shop credit or cash. While the system is new to Irish customers, it has been a staple in much of Europe for decades. Ida Wolf, a master's student at UCC, is originally from Finland and has been living in Cork since 2017. She says that the scheme has undoubtedly been a positive in her country and feels like it is an aspect of life that is missing in Ireland. In Finland, it's just any time that you buy a bottle or a can with drink in it, the shop charges you an extra 15 or 20 or 40 cents, depending on the size of the bottle or can. When you're done with the can or bottle, you just bring it back to the shop. You put it into the little machine, then you get a receipt with the money back. Bring it up to the till and they will give that to you either in cash or you can just take it off from your next purchase. I think it works really well. It's kind of just a given at this point. There's not really any kind of questions about it or any big opinions on why it shouldn't be there. Everyone's just very much in the habit of in the house. If there's a couple of empty cans or empty bottles, you just put them in a separate plastic bag and you bring them to the shop the next time. It's quite straightforward. It's also the case that a lot of kids like to go after any big public event or after New Year's, anything like that. They kind of comb through town to see if they can find any empty bottles or cans to pick up and then they bring them to the shop and if they're lucky they got to get a couple of euro from that, get a couple of sweets. They're happy enough. I still kind of by instinct a lot of the time want to put my bottles and cans somewhere separate and not just in the general recycling or in the general bin. It does still feel a bit strange to me sometimes I'm not bringing them into a shop because it's just such an easy straightforward thing to do, just kind of second nature. I think... People will get used to it very quickly. And I do think people will kind of feel like it's a good thing to do. Among countries in Europe that have implemented deposit return schemes, Germany ranks the highest with a 98% plastic recycling rate, beating Finland by two points. The scheme does not just encourage recycling by itself, though. Social phenomena, such as returnable items being collected by or left for the homeless or people who are otherwise in financial difficulty, is one feature that has developed in many countries with the schemes. Sarah Muth, originally from Germany, says that this is an important aspect of socialising for young people in her country. One aspect that I've grown to really appreciate a lot is the positive impact of the deposit bottle systems on the communal gatherings. For example, when students gather in public spaces such as the city park or even the college campus, you can always see other people showing up in the hopes to collect some of the empty bottles that they can then hand in later for the deposit. This is kind of an unspoken arrangement that is mutually beneficial because instead of leaving empty bottles scattered around on the ground or tucked away in corners or in the ditch people actually give them willingly to those interested so these people are not only helped but the place is also being left behind way tidier than i can imagine it would have been otherwise and this is also just not limited to specific locations it's also across the city that you'll notice empty bottles neatly placed beside the bins to be picked up by people later this system does not only just keep the spaces tidier but i can also imagine it's just really appreciated from both sides and there's 
there's always respect when you hand them over and the other person is really thankful for getting the money and you're happy that you don't have to carry the butter around for the rest of the night. The same is true of Finland, as Ida points out. So in Finland, it is quite common that you see homeless people or people otherwise struggling financially collecting the bottles and they can either be trying to collect them from the bins themselves, like from public bins where there are no deposit banks. But quite often as well, you see people leave their empty cancer bottles right next to the bins or on top of the bins or in some places there's even I think it was in Denmark that I heard about that they have shelves next to the bins where you can just put your empty bottle or can on the shelf for someone else to then pick up later or bring it back to a deposit bank and get a few bob for it. If you would like to know more about the deposit return scheme and what it will mean for Irish consumers going forward check the show notes of this episode. And we're stronger when together Ours to Protect brought to you by C103 the IBI and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. Yeah, thanks uh, to uh, Stephen, uh, news reporter for that uh, for that feature on our hours, hours to protect. And it is something, as I mentioned earlier, we're just going to have to get used to it. We'll be paying. Well, we're certainly going to notice the difference if you buy a lot of bottled water, for example, because you're going to have to be paying the deposit on that from uh, from the first of February. And so, and and I don't know how it's going to work because there's still going to be stock in a lot of the shops where the deposit won't be on it because they won't have the barcode. So while we're saying is from the 1st of uh, February you mightn't see an increase immediately while shops are going to have to get rid of their older stock and then when the newer stock comes in that will all have the barcode on it and it's the one with the barcode on it um, I'm, I'm assuming there's a very clear sign, the return sign uh, must be on it and it's those that we're going to be paying the deposit uh, on from the 1st of February Patricia, who does one contact about yard lights shining out onto a road? Is it the council or is it some other authority? The place in question is a haulage uh, company thanking you in advance and I simply don't know why you want to complain about yard lights shining out onto the road. Is it light pollution or something? I'm unsure. Has anybody else had problems with very strong lights shining out onto a road as opposed to shining into somebody's house? I don't really know why you want to complain about them. If you want to give us a little bit more detail or if anybody else knows uh, what that listener can do with the problem with, uh, I'm assuming, very bright, large lights shining out onto a road. We were talking about commuting and how commuting is getting longer and longer and earlier and earlier uh, for some people. A West Cork listener says, Patricia, I will never again go back into the office or into the city to work. I am an hour from Cork City by car. I now work from home and will continue to do so. I'm very lucky in that my employers encourage working from home, says a West Cork listener. Yeah, and for people who can manage that and give up that daily commute of an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, their quality of life just goes through the roof. So you're very lucky that you have a company that allows you to work from home. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Let me go to the phone lines. Carmel in Crosshaven uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Carmel. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, you got a letter from the HSC that's troubling you. Tell me about the letter. Well, the letter says that um, the healthcare is changing to a hope through a cork and carry and the building will consist of people that need diabetes, COPD, asthma, heart failure. New specialist teams will be working in the hub, okay. including doctors, podiatrists, nurses, dietitians. Now, we have a brand new primary health care in Kilnidlary, Carrigaline, which is only four miles from where I live. 
And that's where I go for my podiatry treatment and I go for my uh, retina screening for my eyes. And now they want us to go to Balancholic. I can't see the sense. And how far, how extra, how far a journey would that be from where you live? To Balancholic? Yeah. I suppose I'd be nearly an hour on the bus. And then by the time I walk from where I live to the bus stop, there's no shelter at the bus stop. If it's raining, you get wet, you're wet on the bus. I did ring, actually, the number that's on the letter, and the gentleman I spoke to said, well, the bus stops right outside. That's fine, but when you come out of there, how long are you waiting for the bus to get back? Yeah, and how long are you, how long are you waiting for the bus to get you there as well? Exactly, and I, I can't, I, I just, I really thought it was a bit of a hoax at first. So I thought, and I also rang um, our constituency office of um, Minister Michael McGrath and Caroline. Yeah. And they said they hadn't heard anything about it. Oh, <laughs> OK. Oh. And, and OK, did you say, look, I'm happy out where I am in Carrigaline. I'm happy out to receive my yeah. services. And do, yeah. they, do they give you that option? No, 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 oh. no, not at all. The hubs are going to be the hubs. Because when the podiatry treatment that I get in Carrigaline from the primary health care yeah. comes from St. Mary's in Gronerbroher. They deal with all that. They send out all the letters from there. It used to be the uh, orthopaedic hospital. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then they, and then the podiatrist, the service then comes out to Carrigaline, and it looks it, after yeah. the people. Yeah. So you're saying yeah. now that that service will no longer be available in Carrigaline; it'll only be available in Balancholic. Exactly, exactly. And if you if, and if you can't get to Balancholic, it's fifty one euros to go private to have your feet done. Oh, so, I mean, yeah. How many pensioners can afford that? Not, not possible. Abs- absolutely not possible. And I know these community health care networks. Yeah, you're, you're spot on in in how you've uh, described yeah. them. There's not going to be ninety six of them across Ireland. Yeah. I, I don't exactly. know. I don't know yeah. how many of them have opened uh, so far. And the 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 idea is that there's one per. 50,000 people, that's how they are locating them. And yeah. But it's not going to, it'll suit some people. Obviously, the good people in Balancholic, it's yeah, going to suit course. them because they'll all of their needs will be coordinated. But people outside of the area are going to be in for a bit of a shock. Aren't they just, yeah. It, I, I just can't see the sense of it, to be quite honest. Why put yeah. a new building and then have to go somewhere else? And, and, you, know, and you, have, you have that brand new Primary health care centre that was only that was only opened by the th- by the Thornish that didn't that's correct yeah. and it uh, it also has a doctor's surgery yeah yeah that's where the district nurses come out of they've got dental care they've got um, speech therapy I believe there as well and I think some parts of maternity there so you know why do we have to go to Baron College now for just this this small treatment. Yeah, and I'm just seeing that the staff will be working in the community healthcare network uh, include occupational therapists, speech and language therapists, physiotherapists, your podiatrists that you're talking about, dietitian, yeah. social work and admin staff. I mean, the occupational therapists and the speech and language therapists, a lot of those are for children. Please don't yeah. say that they're going to be dragging pa- parents yeah. with small children and that they're going to have to go as well. Yeah, I don't know now about that. But as I okay. said, but but you you've rang them and you don't have a choice if you want to stick yes. with your podiatry, sir, and you have to look after your feet. Don't don't please don't ignore that. But no. if you're going to have to now go to Balancholic. yeah, because you see, I'm a diabetic, so I need to have my feet looked at. Oh yeah, 
hundred percent. Because I have to have the retinal screening for my eyes. Yeah. Now they didn't say anything about changing that, but that's not on the list at the moment. No. I can't see no. anything about no. ophthalmology. So you, you're okay. No. Uh, you're okay yeah. on that. But people getting physiotherapy. I mean, again, exactly. people who've exactly. maybe had hip or knee replacements yeah. and need physiotherapy afterwards, that can be really yeah. convenient to have to ask them to travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, listen, thank you for alerting us because I'm assuming, when did you get the letter? Well, I got it last week, but I held on to it because I'll be quite honest with you, I thought it was a bit of a hoax. Oh, no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but just to, just, let's wait and see, I have many others. Uh, yeah, received. If not, you will be yeah. receiving them in the post. I, I think you will be warning people you will be getting them. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Okay, listen, Karma, thank you for that. And thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. And I know they put all these services in place and, and I know people are going to say uh, you can't have these facilities everywhere, but it does seem a bit crazy for the good people of Carrigaline when they got this wonderful primary healthcare centre and it's opened and services were there. It does seem crazy that the services are going to be moved for people that it was uh, suiting. I mean, in principle, I do think these community healthcare networks are fantastic and if it's on your doorstep, it's all the better. And I know they can't have one um, in they can't have one on every corner but there will be 96 of them across the country and the aim is to deliver uh, health primary health care services uh, across a population of 50,000 people. It'll consist of between four and six primary care teams. GPs are obviously involved and then they'll work in, together with the multidisciplinary teams. And, and I was just looking at this when I, when I saw Carmel's comment come in I was saying this is part of Slaunter Care isn't it and it is it's part of the Slaunter Care vision to provide the right care in the right place at the right time and it is the right care at the right place at the right time if you live close enough to all of these community healthcare networks but if like Carmel you're going to be forced to uh, travel then it's the right care but it's not in the right place and it certainly it's not going to be at the right time for her. 0818 103 103 John Paul taking new calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council making Cork County the place to live, work, visit and invest in. See corkcoco.ie Kayleigh sets in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic uh, tonight. Music is by Ger Murphy. Dancing is from 9.30. Admission 10 euro. It does include teas. Parents Association of Skullmuir and Atrocra in Butterfant are hosting an inter-school table quiz tonight in the Butterfant Secondary School. It's open to students from third class to sixth class. Registration is from half six and it starts at seven. They're looking for tables for 20 euro to enter. There will be a raffle on the night and a shop available. Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex tonight at eight. They've got a jackpot of 4,500 euro. While Kildarui Bingo is also on tonight, eight o'clock in the store at the Creamery Yard and their jackpot is €3,350. And the Lord Mayor's Tea Dance hosted by Councillor Kieran McCarthy will be held in City Hall this Sunday between 3 and 5. Entertainment is by Evelyn Grand and the Cork Pops Orchestra and Keith Hanley. Tickets are €10 and they're available from Pro Musica on Oliver Plunkett Street. And Bantier Drama Group are giving their final performance of Tearing and Dragging. It's a comedy by Hank Regan. It's on next Sunday night at 8 with bookings 029 562 39. 
Cork Today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. They've had another text in from our listener who has a problem with yard lights from a haulage company shining out onto the road who says, Patricia, were you not talking a little bit a while ago um, on the programme about LED lights on cars and how they were blinding when people were driving against them? Well, what, well, what I'm talking about are yard lights shining out onto the road and it's the same principle when you're driving against the glare of these uh, lights. OK, I know you're claiming it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a a health and safety issue for those driving. I've no idea who you would report that uh, to. Bar, have you interacted with the haulage company? Have you made them aware? Could they turn down the lights? Could they re, uh, you know, reconfigurate the lights so that it's not shining out onto the road? I don't know if anybody can offer advice there. Somebody who obviously drives in an area where there's yard lights shining out, out onto the road and there can be a glare from it, from those lights. What can our listener do, please? 0818 103 103. Um, column in Buttevant. Oh, this is reacting to Carmel, who was just on about having to go from uh, Carrigaline. We now have to go to Ballincollig for her services because of these community health hubs that have opened. Well, column is in Buttevant. He's even further away and he got a similar letter. And this is to do with his eyes. He says he usually always goes to CUH, but he says the service now has been moved to Ballincollig. He said when he told him that that didn't suit him, he said, look, you've no choice. He said he usually gets the 9.20 bus to Cork and by the time then he gets to Cork, it's it's 20 past 10. So he's in plenty of time for his uh, appointment. But if you go, if you'd have to go on to Ballincollig after that, it's going to be another trek. And he said at least with the bus to CUH, it stops outside the hospital. Well, seemingly Carmel was told that in, for Ballincollig, for the community health hub, the bus stops outside there as well. But you're just going to have to work out what bus you're going to have to go on. But that's interesting when you say it's ophthalmology because I did didn't see op- ophthalmology on the list because Karma's worried about that because she t- attends an ophthalmologist uh, as well. 0818103103. Tony says, tell that person who's having problems with the lights to contact the company in question. I had an issue with this many years ago near my home. There was nowhere to report it and the Gardaí said, look, it's actually a civil matter. Uh, the best thing is to speak to the company and make them aware of the problems it's causing. Yeah, because maybe they are unaware. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Tony. Uh, John O'Donovan was on to say that he disagrees with the flying of the Palestinian flag over County Hall. It was proposed by councillors. Now I don't know, was it passed? Was the proposal passed? It was proposed by councillors that they fly the Palestinian uh, flag. Um, John says no matter what happens in other parts of the world we need to be on top of what's happening here in our own country. He says the only flag that should ever fly over a public building should be our own tri-colour. He said after all we're supposed to be a neutral uh, country. 0818103103 and then Tom was on earlier to say hi Trish the government are blowing on about all the new bills of houses that were built last year. I want to know how many were started and how many were finished in 2023. Remember, it takes about 12 months to build a house, says uh, Tom. Well, the figures that I have are the figures from the Central Statistics uh, Office and they show they show that residential property completions rose by 10% last year compared to 2022. So Tom is looking for the actual number. There were 32,695 new dwellings completed in 2023 and more than 10,000 
80% of them were completed in the final three months of last year and there was a big increase by the way in the number of apartments completed that's because when when you when I give you that number of 32,695 they're not all individual houses they will be apartments uh, as well and what's really good actually in the midst of all of those numbers I, I was heartened to read that new uh, buyers accounted for six out of ten mortgages that were taken down last year and that's obviously people getting on particularly those getting onto the ladder uh, the property ladder for the first uh, time because there is a bit of a commotion going on in Dublin I don't know how many people spotted or heard this but Ryanair has bought almost an entire housing estate close to their headquarters in Dublin airport. Local representatives have voiced anger over the move, which is the latest sign that employers are having to take radical action in order to secure accommodation for workers in what is already a tight labour market where rentals are scarce and particularly difficult to find if workers are moving here from abroad. So Ryanair confirmed yesterday that it's purchased 25 new build units in Swords. There was 28 units in total. So Ryanair have bought the bulk, 25 of the 28. It's in Fosterstown in Swords. They say they bought them in order to ensure that they can provide high quality but affordable rentals close to the airport. They want them for new cabin crew who are joining Ryanair and will be based out of Dublin. And they also want to help. Uh, and by doing that, they want to help maintain Ryanair's flight schedule. I mean, they have uh, something like 33 aircrafts based in Dublin Airport. They say in recent years, the absence of affordable rental accommodation has been a major impediment to recruiting and training new Irish and European cabin crew members to a Ryanair's in-flight team. They say this accommodation, which is located one bus stop away from Dublin Airport, will be rented out at an affordable rate to their cabin crew during their first year of employment. And the housing development, it's made up of three and four bed family homes, but obviously councillors in Swords were raging about it. Now, we were only talking about the bulk buying of housing estates only earlier on in the week, but we were talking about investment funds buying them and then renting them out at ridiculously high prices like three, three and a half thousand uh, euro a month. So this is slightly different but it's still bulk buying. Councillors and Swords say that the bulk buying of the 25 properties mean, mean now here are another 25 families who could have bought one of these houses but now they can't. Uh, the local Sinn Féin councillor said people living in Swords are unhappy with the move due to the shortage of housing in the area and uh, they're saying it shouldn't have been allowed to happen. And then there's a local independent for change uh, councillor. He said Ryanair bought these houses the same way as a vulture fund would buy them. Um, the, the the housing estate is two it's two kilometres south of a Swords a Village and no doubt there was first time buyers looking at those houses being built and waiting for them to go on the market hoping to buy them only to discover that they have been snapped up by Ryanair but this part of me can see what Ryanair why Ryanair is, is doing it how many schools have we heard about particularly in the Dublin area who are short of teachers and when they when they advertise for a teacher they might get somebody to apply somebody very suitable for the job somebody agrees to do it and then the teacher goes to try to find a place to live and realises uh, A there's either nothing available or B there's nothing they can afford to uh, rent and that's not just teachers that's happening across the board with a lot of different uh, industries particularly in ur- in the, the the larger urban areas like our cities where there is such 
a low number of houses for rent are to buy and it is causing huge problems. So I can can kind of understand what Ryanair are getting at, but I huge, huge sympathies for the people who probably had an eye on those particular houses in the hope that they would be able to afford to buy one. 0818103103. Let's take a break and we talk movies with Mark Malone next. And on Ryanair buying up the bulk of that housing estate near Dublin Airport, someone says, Hi Trish, why couldn't Ryanair build their own houses for their own staff and leave those houses for people in the area who wanted to buy them and live in the area. I'm assuming Ryanair would say land availability of land around Dublin Airport I imagine is uh, quite tight. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Mark Malone joins me. Good afternoon to you Mark. Hi Patricia. And two movies Anyone But You and the second one is Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget but I can't, I have to start by talking to you about Oscar nominations came out this week Mm -hmm. and all the focus seems to be on the fact that Barbie and the two male females didn't get the nod, the nod. I in Barbie herself, Margot Robbie and uh, Greta Gerwig. I laugh because of the irony, uh, the, the, how ironic the whole thing is, because of course the, the film is uh, about just that. It's about why should men be rewarded and not women in life, do you know what I mean? And um, it must be terribly embarrassing though to poor old Ryan Gosling who must kind of be very, very embarrassed with the whole he thing. He has come out about it, hasn't he? Oh he has, yeah, he says it's a load of old nonsense and it is a nonsense. I mean if you, it, it seems to me like if your film is nominated then the director should always be nominated. But we've had situations in the past couple of years with, uh, you know, films winning best film and yet the director hasn't won best director, which is very, very strange. You can't have one without the other. No, I don't think you can, but seemingly that's the way it works, you know what I mean? But then the Oscars have been very odd and very, very strange over the last few years. Now, the thing about Barbie, of course, is that Barbie, it's not an Oscars film. I don't think it is. It's not the kind of thing that they particularly like. You know, they like films which they, proper films which they would... Oppenheimer. Yes, how they would describe them as that. And, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese he isn't a great fan of that kind of pop cinema. I know that Oliver Stone, for example, called uh, Barbie the infantilization of, which is not easy to say, of uh, Hollywood. Now, he has apologized since because he got uh, he got a terrible time for that. But back in 2009, what they decided to do was that in those days, they only had five Best Picture nominees, for example. Okay. And then they decided to increase that to ten. And the reason why they did that is to encompass films that were really particularly kind of popular that year and to, and to reward them and say, look, we know you're out there and we, we'll, we'll give you a Best Film nomination, but you're not going to win. So prior to 2009, I don't think Barbie would have even been recognised uh, by the Oscars at all. Uh, but um, but here, at least, it is on the list of uh, best movies, but poor old Greta Gerwig and poor old Margot Robbie have been left out. And that's a bit of a shame, and especially for Margot Robbie, I think, who was very good in the film. Yeah, and I, I know what you say about it isn't, you know, an Oscar movie, you know, with, you know, when you think about movies, you know, like Oppenheimer and Schindler's List and all of those big, mm-hmm. big, you know, movies, particularly those uh, real-life ones that the Oscars, uh, the Academy seemed uh, to love, but did they not take into uh, do they do, do they not take in the, the fact Barbie was the highest grossing film of last year, and it's currently the fourteenth highest grossing film of all times. It got bums on seats, and it got people back into the cinema. Exactly, but that's always been the case. If you look at films like Star Wars, if you look at all of the big, big, big blockbuster movies, uh, you know, down throughout the years, they have been recognised in some way by the Oscars, but they haven't necessarily made uh, you know one best film. I mean, you know, look at the the list of this year. A lot of them we don't know about. They're really, really small independent films, which they seem to be looking at and wanting to uh, promote. For example, American Fiction is about uh, racism in America. And they could very well look at that and reward that like they did, for example, Spotlight uh, a few years ago. So they do like uh, to kind of surprise people. 
Yeah, someone said the Martin Scorsese movie isn't exactly his best movie and he's been nominated. Exactly. But again, it's what they consider to be proper filmmaking, you see. It's, it was three and a half hours long and I did enjoy it. And, <laughs> okay? But again, I don't think it was his best movie. And yeah. I don't think Oppenheimer is going to win this year because, of oh. course, the Golden Globes were very, uh, you know, uh, did they have that as best picture? Certainly, and I tell you, the, the problem with poor old um, uh, Killian Murphy is that because he got uh, the Golden Globes, um, the Oscars traditionally kind of rebel against that and go, well, we're going somewhere else. And uh, Paul Giamatti, it could be his year this year. He's in a film called The Holdovers. And, uh, of course, he's well regarded and uh, he could well, you know, cause an upset there. So, um, yeah, but that's the way the Oscars work these days. It's very, mm. very strange. Do you remember Driving Miss Daisy won yeah. best film a few years ago? Yeah. I mean, I don't like awards. I don't like award ceremonies. I don't like any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I'm not really, really that keen. So when I saw the list, I wasn't surprised that it's it's just all over the place, really. Yeah, and it's, well, it's great for that Irish company, the, the co-production they did, uh, Element Pictures, isn't it, uh, for uh, poor, poor Things. Poor things. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's great to see Ireland recognised, for sure. And we wish Killian all the best. We okay, now let's take a trailer. This is Anyone But You. Are you heading to the wedding? Of my sister? Yes, I am. Where's your fiance? Wait, is this him? Wow, you are a child. Hey, I'm Ben. I was her hall pass on your break. What the? Ben! Hey. Both our exes are here. It seems like he checks all your boxes. Hey, you don't know my boxes and you never will. Let's just make this less awkward for everyone and pretend we're together. Titanic me. Are they watching? They're gone. Show's over. Oh my God. Anyone but you. They're going to ruin our wedding. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> This is, I, I, okay, this is the one um, loosely based on a, a Shakespearean play. Yeah, they do that uh, quite a lot. I can't remember which one it was, but I did read it. Oh, which one was Much it? Much Ado About Nothing. Much Ado Nothing. About Nothing, that's yeah. right. Yeah, we've had that in, in the past. Uh, I think Mean Girls are one of those who yeah. was also uh, based on a Shakespearean play as well. Um, if, oh, if it was only as good as Shakespeare, though, because it certainly isn't. And oh. it's not really my thing. Look, the thing is that uh, somebody said to me some time ago, they said, Mark, you know, you do a lot of action movies. You do, you do a lot of the big movies, but you don't really do a lot of horror movies or or, or rom-coms and I said well look I have to pay to go to the cinema I don't get in for free um, I'm, I don't consider myself a critic you ask me to go to a film and I'll go because I go all the time anyway and talk about it and that's what I do so I want to go see a film and pay money to a film that I particularly want to see and might enjoy because I don't want to come in here and criticise movies because it's not really what I want to do so I didn't particularly want to see this film but I said look it's a, it's a rom-com I don't really Why do not? many rom-coms yeah. so I'll go and see it <laughs> I should point out that when I was in the cinema I was the only person on my own, by the way, can I point out? Um, it wasn't uh, very busy. There were, I think there were four girls down the front, and I think there were two couples there as well. And actually, when I went out to get my ticket, the girl looked over my shoulder and said, really? Looking for somebody else. Oh. And, she, and it was almost like she looked at me and went, oh, you're on your own. Oh, okay, fine. Okay, because uh, anyway. men traditionally don't go on their own to rom-coms. No, they don't, okay. I'm afraid. No, yeah, but I did. very stereotypical there, but yeah, go on. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, look, and the thing is with rom-coms, you know what I mean? I have a love-hate relationship. I do like... Uh, some of them, like the old Nora Ephron films, for example, I'm a big fan of those. I do like a lot of the Sandra Bullock films. Do you remember the Sandra Bullock film she made with Ryan Reynolds called The Proposal? Did you I see that one? I love that movie. Now, that is one I do like yeah. very, very much indeed. And it's almost as if uh, Sydney Sweeney, who stars in this here, and she also produces, saw that film and then went on to AI and said, write, write me a script that's very similar to The Proposal and then we'll, we'll make it. If you remember The Proposal, I think,
losing Sandra Bullock. She was losing her green card. She, she yeah. was going back to Canada. And she and uh, Ryan Reynolds then pretend that they're together. And, of course, they fall in love. Well, in this one, Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell, they meet uh, very, very, on, uh, very early on in the film. And then because uh, of a rom-com misunderstanding, uh, they end up hating each other. The problem then is they have mutual friends, even though they've never met, which is very odd, uh, who are getting married. And so they are then invited to Australia. They decide to go to Sydney to get married. So they are invited to go along. And, of course, at the start of uh, the, uh, you know, the, their time in, in Australia, they're just sniping at each other all the time because they don't like each other because of this misunderstanding that happened earlier. But then they decide to, you know, so as to, to, to make um, the, the, the whole wedding experience much better, they pretend to everybody that actually they're in a relationship, even though they didn't really have to. All they had to do was be nice to each other. They pretend, they decide to pretend that they're in a relationship. And, um, and so there's some very, very silly scenes. There's a scene, it's a kind of a reference there in the trailer where uh, they pretend that, they, you know, that uh, they are in love. So instead of just hugging each other, they decide to jam their hands down the back of their pants. And you're thinking, that's very strange. Why would you do that? She then pulls out a big spider that apparently was in his little oh, budgie smugglers. Sake. And he then has to take off his clothes because he's got this Hollywood body which he can show off. And then he, you know, it's just all of this kind of stuff. It's a load of all nonsense. It really is. And, it, you know, something like if you look at the proposal, the reason why it was successful, if you look at the films of uh, Nora Ephron, all the characters are all ri- written. There are zingers all the time when it comes to the script. In this, they're only just reacting to it's like they wrote a series of kind of silly scenes and decided then to write the script around that you know really good rom-coms are very well written and the characters are all read read, written Uh, here you know no they're not and it's uh, such a shame I didn't I didn't like it I have to admit at all you know look if it's a film that promotes the American Dental Association because the teeth in this film I really needed sunglasses uh, while watching this film everybody's incredibly beautiful everybody's incredibly rich as well because it's very difficult to identify with them and I couldn't look um, there was I I just can I point out by the way that nobody in the cinema laughed either so oh, it, right. wasn't it wasn't just, just me. You, okay. There was one giggle. There was one kind of slapstick moment where she falls off a boat, which wasn't bad. And that was, I think, the only time somebody laughed. I mean, when you walk out of a cinema, that's a, a film that's been really, really great, and everybody's in, uh, on a high. Mm. There was a lot of kind of, you know, dragging the feet. Yeah, I mean, they, they <laughs> didn't seem particularly excited by it. So I'm not. I'm not the only one. Look, I know it's not for me. It's not directed at me, um, and I didn't like it at all. I'm okay. afraid. Anyone but you, Margaret Edgerton. For, well, uh, well, for, for 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 the teeth, maybe four. <laughs> People went to Turkey for the teeth. Obviously, a lot of turkey teeth going on there. Okay, Chicken Run, Dawn, Dawn of the Nugget. Now, you, you you like your animation? This is animation. I love my Ardman. Um, you know, nobody loves Ardman more than I do, yep. and because I love stop go animation, because I remember the first time seeing um, um, what was Postman oh, Pat when, yeah. I, when I saw yeah. Postman Pat as a young boy for the first time. I was blown away by it because, of course, it's not two D. It's not it's not been drawn. It's real. It's a real model. He gets into his van. The van tips oh, no. over slightly. The indicator goes on. He turns the wheel. The wheels turn. And I remember driving. He he drive through the snow and the marks in the snow. I was blown away by it. So when I first saw. Saw, um, Curse of the Were Rabbit. I was blown away when I first saw uh, Wallace and Gromit, for example, yeah, the wrong Wallace, trousers. Yeah. I was just blown it's away such by a how skill. It's such it is a indeed. Skill. I mean, and 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 like the wrong trousers was so cinematic. I just thought it was absolutely terrific. I thought it was wonderful. The first show on the sheep film, I laughed myself silly watching it. And then over the last couple few years, I think Ardman have kind of lost the, their way ever so slightly. And the first of these films, for example, the first Chicken Run film was the first film where they allowed the Americans to come in. John Lasseter came in from 
DreamWorks and John Lester basically took over the whole thing. And I remember seeing a, an interview with Nick Park and uh, he, you could see that he was very sad and uh, he said, look, you know, the whole Englishness of the film because the first Chicken Run is the most English film <laughs> you could ever see in your life. And he said, look, well, I'm not going to allow somebody else to come in and take these movies away from us anymore because, um, you know, these are our movies. These are, you know, these are small, you know, movies that, that mean so much to us. But the first Chicken Run film, whatever, you know, whatever about John Lasseter's influence, it was still very, very entertaining. You had um, um, Mel Gibson, of course, who was very, very entertaining uh, in the main character. Here, Rocky is played by Zachary Levi, who's very good in Shazam, but he's given very little to do here. There was a lot of controversy about Julia Swalia, for example. She played um, the character of Ginger. They decided not to use her, and she uh, was not pleased and publicly said, look, this is ageist and, and uh, unacceptable. And the story uh, is basically them. If you remember in the first film, they were trying to escape from the chicken farm here. Yeah. They have to go back in again okay. to save somebody. So at some stage, I think Ginger says, we, we, we broke out, and now we're going to go break, break back in again. Uh, the first film, of course, was basically the, the, the great escape. And the problem here, though, is that there's a lot of action. There's a lot of running around, um, and it's like a Mission Impossible movie. But there are no laughs. I didn't smile once. It's like they wrote an adventure story that features uh, hens but forgot about the jokes. They forgot in the, that in the script. They forgot it once again, like the, the, the film I just mentioned. Again, there's no characters here. I mean, the character of Rocky with Bell uh, Gibson in the first film, I mean, it was, it was a big, big character and yeah. everybody was well-written yeah. and you loved them and you, and you, 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 know, you, you, you cared about them. And, and you were rooting for them. Very much, but here, yeah. you know, J- Jane Horrocks is back as Babs and I, she's had a, she has a couple of lines which were kind of vaguely funny and and uh, I know one of the writers was very disappointed that it wasn't nominated this year. In uh, but I would say to him, look, yeah, you wrote an adventure film with, with you know, and I don't want to undermine the amount of work that the animators went through because, as we know, huge, they, they huge. could take two weeks to get two seconds of film. And of course, the detail is extraordinary. But normally with uh, Ardman, there's loads of jokes. There's jokes happening in the background. If you watch uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit, there's loads of jokes on walls, on cups, on cupboards. Here, there's none of that, and. My heart is broken a bit by yeah, it, to be honest with you. And there's nothing worse when you're disappointed when you've been looking forward uh, to yeah. a movie. But oh. uh, there is a new Wallace and Gromit coming out, so I look forward to that. OK, Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Uh, for the animators, five. Five yeah. out of ten. OK, thanks for that. Have a lovely week. Thank and you. we'll chat to you again next week. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Somebody said, would you please wish the best of luck to McCroom's Bambi Thong in your song uh, tonight. Uh, best of luck, Bambi. And hi, Patricia. Will you mention our tea dance in Goggin? It's on next Sunday between three and six with music by CNM Sound proceeds are going to St Michael's Centre in Abandon that's from Margaret Gagan, part of the I Bank. Uh, Margaret Band Gagan ICA. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing, and good luck to John Paul in the Sports Awards tomorrow in West Cork. And best of luck to everybody in the GAA Sports Awards uh, tonight in Rochester Park Hotel. Talk to you Monday at ten. Cork today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CM. Mig.ie